Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Our guest is Brian Wojciechowski, MD, who practices medical oncology in Delaware County, Pennsylvania at Riddle, Taylor, and Crozer Hospitals, and also serves as BreastCancer.org's medical advisor. A native of South Philadelphia, he trained at Temple University School of Medicine and Lankenau Medical Center. Dr. Wojciechowski is a sought-after speaker on the topics of medical ethics and the biology of cancer. One of the goals of treatment for either DCIS or early stage breast cancer, which is stage one, stage two, or stage three cancer, is to stop the cancer from coming back, and that's called recurrence by doctors. Dr. Wojciechowski joins us today to talk about recurrence risk and how it's estimated. Dr. Wojo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jamie. Nice to be back. Yeah, so to start, I know that recurrence risk is really unique to to each person and to each type of breast cancer, and it depends on a number of different things. So when you're talking to your patients that have early stage breast cancer, can you tell us some of the factors that you take into account when you're trying to estimate a person's recurrence risk? Yeah, I certainly can. And to start from the very beginning, uh, many of my patients will ask me, Doc, I've had surgery, I've had radiation, my surgeon told me I was cancer-free, so why are we talking about recurrence? Why are we talking about adjuvant chemotherapy or hormonal therapy? And the fact of the matter is that even women with early-stage breast cancer, a certain number we know will have a recurrence later on somewhere in the body. And the reason for that is is that a surgeon can only take out what they can see, and presumably there may be microscopic cells that are uh, circulating in the bloodstream or hiding out in bones or or other places in the body that are dormant that are microscopic, and eventually sometime in the future, could be months, years, decades later, uh, they take hold, they take root, and they grow into tumors and therefore you have a recurrence. So it's very important to try to estimate what the risk of recurrence is for a woman with breast cancer who's been treated so that we can tailor her therapy and we know how aggressively to treat her. So your question about what do I use to estimate the recurrence? Well, there's a few sort of basic fundamental things that we looked at. look at. The first thing is the stage. And what goes into the stage is the size of the tumor. So the bigger the tumor when it's diagnosed, the higher the risk of recurrence. Same thing if the cancer is involved in the lymph nodes or has spread elsewhere in the body. Some other factors would be women who are younger at their initial diagnosis, say under 40, have a higher risk of recurrence. And women who are very old, say over 75, have a higher risk for recurrence. Um, so that's something we look at as well. And um, those are kind of the classic risk factors that we've been looking at for many decades. Okay. And and I'm curious, you said, you know, size and stage, do like the hormone receptors or the hormone receptor status or the HER2 status, does that play into it at all? Or is it really the other factors? Yeah. So that's a great question as well. So we also do look at hormone receptor status. So the um, the presence of estrogen receptors 
and progesterone receptors generally portend a better prognosis in terms of you know, having a lower risk of relapse or recurrence, especially since we can decrease the risk of relapse by treating those uh, patients with hormonal therapy. Now, HER2 is a marker that generally means a cancer is more aggressive. So before the days of HER2-directed therapy, like Herceptin, the, the risk of recurrence for women with HER2-positive cancer was much higher. But nowadays that we have Herceptin, uh, the, the playing field is, is, is more even and, and, and the prognosis is better for her 2 cancers than it was before the days of Herceptin. Uh, similarly, if we have a triple negative cancer, that is no hormone receptors, no HER2, uh, the risk of uh, of recurrence is much higher than if the receptors were present. So yeah, that's another thing we look at. It's very important. Okay. And and I'm assuming based on what you just said that triple negative has a higher risk of recurrence basically because there aren't any treatments that are targeted specifically to that type of cancer. Like we have hormonal therapy to treat hormone receptor positive disease. We have the anti-HER2 therapies, as you said, like Herceptin, Progetta, all those that treat HER2 positive cancers, but there isn't really anything yet that that is aimed specifically at triple negative disease. Is that right? Not in, not in the standard situation with early stage where the um, where the where the patients had surgery and, and cancer free. There's not really anything right now okay. um, for most women that you can give to decrease the risk of recurrence in triple negative. And I think uh, you know triple negative breast cancer. It's not just that there aren't good treatments, but it is a more aggressive biology pound for pound as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Now, are some yeah. of the factors that you just talked about? Would you consider them more? Important when trying to figure out recurrence risk, like is is the size of the cancer say more important than the number of lymph nodes involved, or or are they all pretty much equal? They're all more or less equal. I think I think lymph node involvement is probably more important than size, but they all they all play a role and they all add up in the end. Okay. Now it seems like you know some factors, at least for what I've read, like say exercising regularly, research suggests that that can help lower the risk of recurrence um, because it keeps down inflammation. It keeps weight down. We know that being overweight is linked to a higher risk of recurrence. That's kind of a long way of asking when you're talking to your patients, are there things that a person can do to help keep the risk of recurrence as low as it can be? Like are some factors within a person's control? I would say it's mostly outside of someone's control, but okay. you, can make, you can make a dent by making healthy lifestyle choices. And that's something we cover extensively at the website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talk about diet, exercise, maintaining a healthy weight, that sort of thing. So there's no magic cancer diet, Jamie, right. but when my patients ask me, how should I eat? I usually say, you should eat like we all should eat. So, you know, low saturated fat, avoiding fried foods, um, you know, eating more lean meats and less dark meats, 
Mediterranean type diet, regular exercise. And if I, and I tell my patients, if you do that, you're going to be ahead of the pack. Okay. But in, but as you mentioned, so a lot of the things like the size of the cancer, the stage of the cancer, that's something that's really completely out of somebody's control. Yeah, those are pretty much fixed obstacles. Yeah. Okay. Now, I also know there seem to be some differences in the length of time after treatment ends when it seems like the cancer can come back. So what I've read is like hormone receptor positive disease can come back like in 10 years after treatment ends, whereas hormone receptor negative disease tends to be within the first five years. Um, so could you talk a little bit about those differences and, and how you talk to your patients? Yes, of course, you know, like anything in medicine, there's no hard and fast rule. There's always exceptions to these rules. But generally speaking, with HER2 positive and triple negative breast cancers, if the, if the recurrence doesn't happen in the first three years, it's probably not going to happen, in my experience. And as a general rule, with the hormone receptor positive breast cancers, Recurrence can happen early in the first few years. It can happen five to ten years. It can happen ten to fifteen years, or even or even later. Oh wow! And okay. we don't understand exactly why. What we do understand is that each of these cancers has a different biology. You know, they 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 should almost be thought of as different diseases entirely. Okay. So finally, I know there are tests which are called tumor genomic assays, which is big mouthful of words. Um, and those help doctors estimate the risk of recurrence for certain types of early stage breast cancer. So I one of the most commonly used is Oncotype. There's also um, Mammaprint. There's, there's several different ones and they all seem to have kind of a slightly different use and they're used on slightly different cancers. So how common is it for those tests to be used, I mean, is that something that's standard now? Say if somebody's diagnosed with early stage hormone receptor positive disease, is it a given that they're going to get a genomic test or is that still something that somebody might have to advocate for? Well, I think patients should always be their own advocate no matter what, no matter if you're being treated at, you know, the leading university center or a small community hospital because that's just the nature of medicine these days. So never stop being an advocate. But if I could use the example of the Oncotype test, that's the most common of those tests which we use. So I think anyone who has an early stage hormone receptor positive breast cancer that is node negative or only has a couple nodes involved should have a conversation with their doctor about this test. Because what it does, it does two things. It, pro it provides prognosis data and it provides predictive data. So the prognosis means how, how likely is the cancer to relapse? And the predictive means, is there anything we can do specifically with chemotherapy to decrease the chance of that relapse? And this this test does it both. So that's that's why it's the most commonly used test. So. Um, unless a woman is absolutely refusing chemotherapy for whatever reason, or you know, if they're if they're not well enough to receive chemotherapy, I think uh, I think I think she should seriously consider getting this test done, and her doctor is probably going to recommend it.
And the nice thing is, and what I can tell my patients is that in 2021, we have these great tests. So not every woman with breast cancer has to get uh, chemo. So if you get the Oncotype test, for example, your results could come low, middle, or high, and they're analyzing 21 cancer-related genes in the surgical specimen. So she doesn't have to get any additional testing. And if it comes up high, it's it's no question that we're going to be recommending chemotherapy. If it comes up low, then it's no question that we're not going to be recommending chemotherapy. And if it comes up in the middle, it really depends on the score and the woman's age. Uh, it's a conversation, and the doctor and the patient can decide together. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like the it's it's a these tests have been a great thing because it gives you a little more certainty when deciding like, oh, how much benefit is chemotherapy after surgery really going to add? Um, you know, if it's not much, then somebody doesn't have to go through that. That's exactly right, Jamie. We don't want to put someone through chemotherapy, a potentially life-altering treatment without being absolutely sure that it's going to benefit her. And that's 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 what these tests give us, that certainty, that you know, that reassurance that we're doing the right thing. Okay. And I know, um, you know, a lot of people are just very, very afraid of recurrence. And, you know, how do you, do you have any tips for sort of managing that fear or what, you know, what do you tell your patients? Because obviously it's a reality for anybody. And I know a lot of people too, this is kind of a completely different subject, but you know, like with hormonal therapy after surgery, a lot of people get tired of taking it as like if they have to take it for five years or 10 years. And I guess it's, you know, they want to put it all behind them, but there's also always also that fear. So how do you, how do you kind of talk to people about that? Well, Jamie, cancer, a cancer diagnosis from beginning to end through every stage of the journey is an emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, there's all kinds of emotions that we go through, um, grief, anxiety, anger, fear, all these different things. And, you know, you, you can be told that you're cancer free after surgery and then you can be in this sort of waiting game. Is it going to come back? You know, am I going to get to five years? And then every little symptom you have becomes a crisis because it could mean that something, something bad is going on. So I tell all my patients, all my cancer patients, I tell them you have to try and focus on that which you can control and not what you can't. Easier said than done for sure. And mm -hmm. But but you can get there, and it doesn't it doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen overnight. So it takes time, and it takes effort. But it really does work. You really can get there, and and that's how I tell people to try and cope with it. Um, you know, secondly, you know, like I like we talked about before, whatever medical problem you have, whether it's cancer, heart disease, anything at all, eating right, exercising maintaining a healthy lifestyle is is going to make is going to make it better and it's going to and it's either it's it, it's going to improve the anxiety it's going to improve the fear the worry it's going to improve the aches and pains and the side effects of therapy and it it's probably even going to decrease the chance of a relapse for some women with breast cancer so all of the above excellent thank you so much dr wojciechowski this has been really really helpful Pleasure's all mine. Always nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. 
please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.